0: Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays at voxoc.com slash live and at the El Dorado Performing Arts Center.
1: Good morning, Vox. I'm Chanel. I'm your worship producer for the day. Um, I'm just giving you some announcements um, and welcoming you here to Vox. If you're new, if you want to find out more information, please visit our website, voxoc.com. That will get you information you need. There's a few announcements today. We've got some slides. We're having our live podcast again. Um, It will be this time with Tim, and we'll be flirting February 8th, 7 p.m., so just keep that um, percolating. That'll be coming up in the next couple weeks. And next is our Vox Meetup this week, Wednesday um, the 31st at 6.30 at Bootlegger's Brewery. Have a beer with the Vox crew and come just fellowship with us. Be pretty fun. And lastly, we have table ship fellowships, sign ups on the website um, that are starting to fill up. So go sign up. It'll be great for the spring to get together again and fellowship with each other. So for today, we're going to start off with Q&A with Mike and he's staying to teach with us today, which is awesome. After that, we're going to have some worship with Izzy, and then we're going to have a story with one of our um, teaching team for the children's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Mike. Um, so we're Ready. <laughs> um Jacqueline will be coming out here to share her story, and then we'll have communion. So welcome, and take it away, Mike.
0: All right, Chanel. Thank you. Good morning, everybody you hear me okay wave wave if that's a yes all right put your hands in the air like you just don't care perfect okay not, not many of you did that but thank you hey um, good morning my name is Mike Erie and uh, one of the pastors one of the team that founded the the church uh, almost a couple years ago and we are thrilled that you are with us. I am coming to you live from the great state of Ohio and um, it is uh, 47 degrees today and all of our windows are open. Um, It is balmy, so we're very excited, Uh, but we want to do a bit of Q&A today. So uh, if you would, uh, turn your eyes to the screen, let's put that up. Go ahead and fire up the Q&A. When is Mike going to speak again? His absence is unacceptable. Uh, I really don't think he cares for us very much. I don't think he cares very much about us anymore. All right, well, first, today. When is Mike going to speak again? Today. It is happening right now. Uh, I I don't think he cares about us very much. That is... That is unbelievably not true. Um, one of the things that we committed to right after I left was the presence of a teaching team. We thought that having people in person was uh, super important, just having a disembodied voice and a glowing whiteboard on screen. And so we've uh, had to have loads of other teachers. I thought Will and, holy cow, Will did an incredible job. Um, and so it was great to hear from Ronnie last week. So we're, we're totally excited about Hopes that God has brought us. It's not because I care precisely as I do. I'm not always making. Uh, I don't think the help think our community uh, is to be dependent upon me beaming in Ohio. So I, I care one bit. Take that. All right. Second. Uh, second slide. Put. Second slide is <laughs> i apologize it was written in anger i listened to ronnie on james <laughs> awesome well done all right question number two does god want us to die for him um i've always struggled uh, if so-called a gun to a child said an order to keep his life had to say he hated God I would want him to say that Here's cares what this bad person wants. Um why would God care said in the sense he knows it's in our hearts does that make sense that is so good um, okay so a couple of thoughts first of all uh, I, I don't think God ever is a fan of um, I don't think he's up there saying, well, you really love this die for me. Uh, so your question is, but that. But there is a, an other sense where I do think God wants to be uh, the most significant part of life, so that if we were ever to choose between life dying him and death, him, um, I would imagine us to to acknowledge him at what cost, and, and there are enough, you know, there's enough teaching Jesus about acknowledging God, the brothers, and so on. That you know, I think there's a little bit to that, but um, I don't think that God, of course, God part. The there are times when we praise God and don't mean it. Times deny God, and, uh, don't mean it. I. I, I Got Peter and his restoration. So of course it's S. But but I would want for me, And um, I would want for me for my children that we are the kinds of, that love Jesus so much and are so committed to His movement on them, that we would rather die and, um, than to deny Him. So so I don't know that God's a score. Uh, in the way that your kind of question assumes, but on the other hand, I don't. I think there's something to that. I would want to be the kind of person that, if I had to choose, uh, I would choose to acknowledge uh, the lordship of Jesus, even if it cost me my own life. So, phenomenal question. If that raises others, please text them in. Uh, I think that's all we've got. So, so what I want to do this morning, my brothers and sisters, is um, we've talked a bit about uh, uh, becoming a community that focuses on the concept of peacemaking. And so what I'm going to do uh, over the next several months, whenever it is I teach... Uh, I want to explore the idea of peacemaking. I want to explore the idea of what it is to be a peacemaker. And uh, and we're going to start trying to do some strategic thinking around what that means in our world today, what that means for how we are in the world today, how we do social media in the world today, how we do family reunions in the world today, how we relate with folks of other ethnicities in the world today, and so on and so on and so on. So what I'm going to do, if you are new To church, if you are new to the Bible, uh, I'm going to throw a lot at us this morning. I just want to give you that disclaimer. There are probably like five or six, maybe eight or ten different passages uh, we're going to look at in 25 minutes. So it means I'm going to be doing a lot of reading from slides, and I know that isn't the best way to do it. But what I want to do is I want to just start with the question, what does it mean um, when when the Bible talks about a concept called peace? Uh, Because people will talk about peace as if it were the absence of conflict, or I can have peace of mind, or I can have um, uh, a peace treaty, uh, or some people will make decisions and they'll say, well, you know, I I had a peace about this. You know, what do they mean when they say that? And does that match up kind of with what the scriptures talk about when the scriptures talk about the idea of peace? So we got tons of material to get through. Please forgive me. Uh, For not being there in person to guide you through it and and make it a bit more engaging But I just want to establish some stuff uh, What before we get into the idea of peacemaking because how you define peace of course is how you define how it's made so We're gonna start um, In Genesis chapter 1 why not start at the very beginning? I love the Ohio State Uh, the, the Ohio state plaque up on this side of my head, you guys are welcome for that. And yes, there are still boxes on the bookshelves. And so, uh, it's beautiful. Now, Genesis chapter one, go ahead and put the slide up verse 27 and 28. We cover these slides all the time because they're so central, uh, to where we begin as, uh, under in understanding our vocation as the people of God. And and most of you will know, of course, that in Genesis one we have a poem where God is um, each day God is fashioning, He is designing, He is creating, um, and uh, and and the kind of the pinnacle of. The architecture designed in, uh, in Genesis 1 is in verse 27 when God decides to, to make uh, human beings in his own image. So verse 27, God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and then gave them work to do. And we've talked about how the idea that we are image bearers doesn't just reflect the worth, although it does, of, of what God has invested in us and created us to be. But it also reflects the idea of vocation. We are literally to to image God into the world through, um, and and then we're given a series of commands. Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, over every living creature that moves on the ground. In other words, our image bearing was to take God, God's creation, and to push it forward, uh, reflecting God's purposes and God's good governance. All right, in verse thirty-one, that same chapter, God saw all that He had made, and it was very good. It doesn't mean it was static. It doesn't mean it was perfect. Uh, the word "good" here is uh, is the idea of um, God delighted in it. Uh, God, it was fitting for God's purposes. And then, of course, there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. The seventh day, we read later, is a day where God ceases his activity. Now, when we get to Genesis 2, we we still read words of vocation. As, as the text kind of zeroes in on the man and then the woman, the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden. And again, it's to work it and to take care of it. That's part of his image bearing. He was connected to it. The Lord God commanded the man and also the woman, of course, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when you eat of it, for when you eat of it, you will surely die or certainly die excuse me don't call me surely for when you eat of it you will certainly die now the thing that happens of course is that god says don't eat of this tree and of course what do they do they eat of the tree that happens in genesis chapter 3 Verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now, this is really, really significant. In the opening two chapters, Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, we're given a picture of a creation that is ordered that, that is intelligently designed, that fits together uh, in harmony and purpose. And, um, and, and that the, the human beings had a central role in the governance of creation. They were to bear God's image and to image God's governance into the world. Totally, totally a big deal. So there was four, four realms or directions of connectedness and interrelatedness uh, that we're presented with in, uh, in Genesis chapters 1 and 2. The first one is that the, the, the man and the woman are free from sin and shame. So they are, they are integrated internally. They're connected to to the fullness of themselves. Um, They also are connected to God. God walks intimately with them. There's no sacrifice needed. There's no sin. It's just simple trust. Uh, They are also connected to each other. And so the first thing affected... Um, well, really, the second thing, the first thing affected was that their eyes were opened, and this is kind of a picture of the fact that shame now enters the world. Uh, the second thing that's affected, of course, is that their relationship is affected. So they hide from God, um, picturing that that relationship's affected. They hide from each other, uh, they cover themselves up, they blame each other. Shortly in the text, and so so instead of having a fourfold connection with God and the other and self and creation, now you have this fracturing where now there's shame and fear and death and hiding and and all of the stuff we were very familiar with that shrouds human existence all that stuff is introduced precisely at this moment now the reason that matters of course is that God in the remainder of Genesis chapter 3 um, he brings curses to the earth so that the earth will not be fulfilling and not cooperate with us in our original vocation. And that's a whole separate message that we can get to someday. But it's, and he does this as an act of mercy, believe it or not. He actually curses the earth to drive selfish, self-centered human beings back to himself, knowing that if we could really find satisfaction and fulfillment at the deep existential level, we all yearn for it, if we could find that, we'd find it in other places, but God made the world now so that it no longer cooperates with us in our in our longings for fulfillment, and now we're driven back to Him. So what God has done is He banishes the the man and the woman from the Garden of Eden. He frustrates their vo- the ability to fulfill their vocation in the world, and then in Genesis four through eleven, we just see the ripple effects of all of this sin and death. So you have you have you know Abel or excuse me Cain murdering Abel. You've got um, you've got a, the wickedness on the earth is so great that God decides to let the, the waters of the earth cover it and start over with Noah and his family. But immediately, Noah sends his son, one of his sons sins. they build this big tower. I mean, you just realize uh, that the ripples of sin and death, the ripples of decay and corruption kind of infect every aspect of human existence. Now, all of that background is necessary to understand the Hebrew concept of peace. Uh, Many of you will know that the Hebrew word for peace is the word shalom. And that word shalom doesn't just mean that things are peaceful as if there were no conflict. The Hebrew word shalom means wholeness. It means completeness. It's uh, it's it's used of a stone that has no cracks in it. It's used of a wall of stone that has no gaps. It's whole. It's complete. The idea is that the, there's something that has a lot of pieces, but they all fit together. They're in a state of wholeness and completeness. And so it's way more than just the absence of conflict. The way we mean peace, um, there there was so, there's something about it that that it's not just an absence of something, but it's the presence of something. The presence of wholeness, completeness, and harmony. And so so what what happened is beginning the earliest parts of the story, after sin and death had entered the world, God called a man named Abraham uh, Abraham to be part of His family, to be a covenant community, and then the the prophets of that covenant community began to dream of a time when god would reintroduce shalom on the earth and so they used all sorts of crazy pictures about what is coming in the future so go to isaiah chapter two two if you would on the slides we're, we're going to look at four or five passages from isaiah just really quickly because isaiah captures this so beautifully he says in the last days the mountain of the lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains will be exalted above the hills, the nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come by, excuse me, will come and say, Next slide. slide. Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between nations. He will settle disputes for many peoples. And they will take their weapons of war, swords and spears, and turn them into weapons of harvest, plowshares and pruning hooks. Next. Next. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. So yes, shalom is the absence of war, but it's also the presence of uh, the nation streaming to the Lord for his justice, the nation's streaming to the Lord for his righteousness. The idea that the, the, the effort you would put into war making now goes into benefiting the human community. Next Isaiah slide, if you would, Isaiah 11. Another image of Shalom, the wolf will live with the lamb, the leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear, the young will lie down together, the lion will eat straw like the ox, the infant will play near the cobra's den, and the young child will put his hand in the viper's nest. In other words, uh, all, all of those things that were considered mortal enemies now live in harmony with one another. Next slide next slide they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain. For the Lord, for the earth—excuse me—will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. So, so there's this beautiful picture of shalom. That's not just the absence of conflict, but it's the presence of harmony, the presence of wholeness, the presence of completeness. Isaiah 32, if you would. I know this is a lot, but these are such incredible pictures of more than just uh, living peacefully with each, with each other. So another. Another, another image, Isaiah 32, the Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness will live in the fertile field. The fruit of his righteousness will be shalom. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places and secure homes and undisturbed places of rest. Next. Next. They will build houses and dwell in them. In other words, they won't build and then be conquered. They will plant vineyards and eat their fruit. No longer will they build houses and others live in them or plant and others eat. For as the days of the tree, so will the days of my people be. My chosen ones will long enjoy the work of their hands. So you're getting a picture of what God intended in Genesis 1 and 2. That human beings have no sin, no shame. The human beings relate well with each other. There is no conflict, but instead there's harmony. There's shared purpose. There's working for mutual, uh, mutually beneficial goods. Um, you get Isaiah 65. Put that on the screen. Um, uh, go back, if you would, one slide. Uh, they will build houses and dwell in them. They will. Um, oh, we already read this one. Next slide. Sorry. Isaiah 65, part two. They will not labor in vain, nor will they bear children doomed to misfortune. There will be a people blessed by the Lord and their descendants with them. Before they call, I will answer. While they are still speaking, I will hear. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The dust will be the serpent's food. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountains, says the Lord. I mean, these are unbelievably beautiful pictures. And then there's one in Joel. I just wanted to show you very quickly. In that day the mountains will drip new wine and all the wine lovers said amen and the hills will flow with milk um, unless you have a dairy allergy Uh, and all the ravines of Judah will run with water so wine, milk and water uh, were were images of surplus, were images of uh, provision a fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water the valley of whatever that word is, acacias I think is how you say it now i know that's a, a lot and i know that's a jet tour but but i wanted to show you so you first have creation 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 is governed by order and connectedness Um, everything is in its proper place and everything is functioning in a way that directly connects to the other things uh, that God had created so human persons relate well to creation, themselves, to God and to others. Then in Genesis 3 you get the entrance of sin and death into the world and all of those dimensions or directions of shalom are fractured And, and what you now have instead is you have Fear and death and envy and rivalry and murder. You have, you know. You know Paul even says uh, the creation itself is cursed. It's groaning, waiting for redemption. So there's a sense in which all of that shalom has been fractured and broken. And so the the prophets dream of a time when God will restore shalom to the earth. And again, shalom isn't just hey we're no longer at war. But these images are images of such tranquility, of such beauty, of such peace, of such wholeness, of such completeness. They. Trans- Transcend just hey you know mere tolerance that we associate sometimes with peace. Now one uh, one author I really love on this is a guy named Cornelius Plantiga, and that is a solid name. Um, he put up his quote if you would. This is how he defines shalom. This webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight is what the Hebrew prophets called shalom. We call it peace, but it means far more than just peace of mind or ceasefire. It should be ceasefire (laughs) between enemies. Shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight, a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts gifts. (laughs) natural gifts are fruitfully employed I'm so sorry I was typing late last night all under the arch of God's love Shalom very simply is the way that things are supposed to be so So the uh, the Hebrew prophets um, yearned for a time when Shalom would would be um, a present again in a deep and rich way on the earth so it's significant when um, when Jesus uh, during the birth of Jesus of course or around the birth of Jesus angels announce you know um, glory to God in the highest good news uh, for everybody peace on earth uh, to whom uh, those who God favors and uh, the idea that Jesus was bringing God's shalom. Um, he, and another very famous passage in Isaiah, is called the Prince of Peace, um, uh, the Prince of Shalom. The idea is that he was coming to bring and reestablish God's shalom on the earth. And he did that in, in several different directions. So go ahead and put up Romans chapter 5. All right. So shalom is now reestablished in Christ. Um, notice this. Therefore, we have been justified through faith, we have have peace. Now, the Greek word is "irene." um, uh, obviously because the New Testament was written in Greek. But it carries with it the same connotations. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, now we have shalom with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So that dimension of shalom has now been restored. Next, Colossians. Notice uh, notice this text, if you would, Colossians chapter 1. God was pleased to have all His fullness, all His fullness, dwell in Jesus, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making what? By making peace through His blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you wholly in his sight right so there so so romans tells us we've now been reconciled and we have peace with god through jesus's sacrifice colossians is the idea that it's not just peace with god but shalom has been introduced everywhere that god is reconciling all things and making peace with all things and then look notice the book of ephesians Ephesians chapter 2. Here, Paul is describing two groups of people that traditionally have a a deep amount of hatred for each other. Jews and Gentiles. Jews, uh, obviously, were the people of Israel. Non-Jews were called Gentiles. Uh, Some Gentiles worshipped the God of Israel. They were called God-fearers. But mostly Gentile was a pejorative term. And it was used to describe those who were lawless, those who were idolaters, those who were sexually immoral um it was it was deeply <laughs> there there was a deep animosity between the Jews and the Gentiles and Paul uses this animosity to describe uh the reintroduction of peace between Jews and Gentiles that Christ brought about so again Christ brought about peace with God peace with creation in Colossians and now peace with each other so notice Jesus himself verse 14 is our peace who made the two Groups, Jews and Gentiles, one, and destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in its flesh the law with its commands and regulations. Don't worry about that just yet. That's uh, that's a whole truckload of stuff Paul's saying. (laughs) God's purpose in this was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, the Jews and Gentiles, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. So he not only reconciles them to each other, both of them are now reconciled to God. So, so. If you're keeping score uh, at home, ladies and gentlemen, we start in Genesis with the concept of connectedness and shalom, fractured in Genesis chapter 3, the ripples of it through Genesis chapter 12 or through Genesis chapter 11, we just see now that shalom has been fractured between the, the humans and themselves, the humans and each other, the humans and God and the humans in creation. The prophets of the Old Testament yearn for a day when shalom will be re-reached introduced and that shalom comes and begins to come it's not fully here yet obviously but but shalom began to take back the earth earth and the people of earth in the form of jesus of nazareth who is our who is himself our shalom he even says it over and over and over I give my peace I give to you peace be with you he's saying this all the time and then what he does is then he invites us to be imitators of uh, he invites us to be um, extenders of the shalom we have received from God uh, it, another word for this we're called to be peacemakers and, and this gets to kind of where we'll be spending some time so when so Jesus preaches, preaches, preaches his inaugural sermon, the Sermon on the Mount, he blesses those who are peacemakers. Now, to be a peacemaker just means all right, and this is this is not a hard concept. It's taking something that is broken and making it whole and complete. It takes what you take what's missing and restore it to wholeness. So in the old testament, uh, here are a couple of ways that people would bring shalom. If your animal damage the field of your your neighbor You would not just apologize, but you would actually pay them for the damage, and in that way, restore what was broken and bring shalom. In Proverbs, um, anytime you would reconcile and heal a broken relationship, you would bring shalom. It's very, very practical. So to be a peacemaker means you just take something that's broken and you and you work to make it whole and complete. You take what is missing and you restore it to wholeness. Uh, and so, I mean, I, I just think like. Just think I think it's an absolutely beautiful picture. It's bigger than justice, although it includes justice. It's bigger than the social justice that many of us are familiar with. Um, uh, but, but you know, the, the important point for our purposes at this juncture is simply that God invites us now to imitate this peacemaking. Next, next text, if you would, from James. Uh, James puts it this way, the wisdom that comes from heaven is, first of all, pure, and it's peace-loving, it's considerate, it's submissive, it's full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And then I love this line, peacemakers who work for peace will reap a harvest of righteousness. Next. Romans. Paul tells us, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Next. Next. And then he tells the church, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Or lastly, Hebrews. Make every effort. So it it requires hard work. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. So. So what is Shalom? Shalom? Shalom is wholeness. Shalom is completeness. Shalom is animals living together in harmony. Shalom is human beings without the need for hiding or covering. Shalom is intimacy with God. Shalom is connectedness to each other. Shalom is creation and human persons working in harmony for God's good purposes in the world. Right? Shalom is this rich picture that's much more than just the absence of war or conflict. And so not only did the Hebrew Hebrew prophets yearn for this, this. but Jesus announced it and embodied God's peace peace. to give us the opportunity now to to be be at peace with with God, God, to be at peace with others, and and to now begin to be uh, at peace with creation, to bring about now a creation from an entirely different perspective. perspective. And that Jesus, because of His work, now invites us to to imitate Him. And so, a very simple point of this first talk on peacemaking is simply that this is a central facet of the gospel. This isn't an add-on. This isn't something for really like super Christians. This isn't. This is our vocation. Paul will call it, and we'll study this text later this year. He will call it the ministry of reconciliation. It's not just that you and I sit now with a ticket to heaven and wait um, for. God to do whatever God's going to do. No, no, no. It's that we actively begin to think of ourselves as ministers of Shalom, as as introducing Shalom, looking for things that are broken, and partnering with God to bring restoration to them. That could be anything from relationships, that could be massive justice issues, that could be systemic evils, that could be kindness uh, on the freeway, that could be any number of things. But we want to begin to look at the vocation of peacemaking as we go forward as a community. So I I know that's a lot. You guys are amazing, as always. Um, I hope that if, if you have questions about this, you'll text them in and we can talk about them. Um, but, but what we want to do now is we want to celebrate the peace that God has purchased for us. Because even though peace is a nice theological concept, for many of us, it's not a lived reality. You know, we still struggle with gout, doubt. We still struggle with guilt and fear and shame. And so what we do every week when we come together and we sing songs, we take the bread and the cup, we pray together, we grieve together, we celebrate together. And so much of this is so unbelievably important. And the reminder that God himself is our peace. So if you'd close your eyes for a second, I'm going to pray. Izzy's going to come out and we're going to worship together. And so, so, Father, we bless your name name and we thank you. We We honor you you and we bless you. you. We're so very grateful grateful that you have done done all all the work to reach out to us, to pursue us, to reconcile with us. And we say again yet this morning, yes, God, yes. We say yes to you. We invite you into our lives. We open ourselves up to you. And we ask you in the name by the power of the Lord Jesus that you would not only bring peace to us, but you would bring peace to others through us and that we might become peace on the earth. And so we thank you. We worship you now in the name of Jesus, our Christ. 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 Amen Amen. and amen. Amen. Thank you, my brothers and sisters. I love you guys so much.
2: Good morning, Max. I'm Joanna Salt. I'm one of your community pastors, and this is my friend Jacqueline. Uh, One of the high values we have here at Vox is that a church should be the safest place to discuss anything you like, hence the questions that we have, and also that we share our stories. And today, Jacqueline has graciously agreed to talk a little bit about why Vox. Hi folks, Um,
3: my name is Jacqueline Waite and normally I volunteer with Fox Kids. I'm part of the preschool team. So before church on Sunday mornings, if you're volunteering that week, there's kind of a huddle that happens outside where an icebreaker question is asked. You're supposed to pair up with someone you don't know and kind of get to know the other volunteers on staff. So a few weeks back, one of the icebreaker questions was, why Vox? Why here? Why now? Why this church, when there's a bunch of different churches on every street corner that you could go to? So I had to wrestle with that a little bit, because if I was going to be honest, why Vox? I came to the church for Mike. I know it's not ideal to follow a pastor to a church, but he was engaging and exciting, and he made me want to learn more about Jesus, so I could kind of justify it. And so things were great until they weren't. And um, when we all got the announcement and entered into kind of a season of uncertainty, it was really hard. So my mom, who doesn't attend Vox, asked me, okay, now that my kind of moved, Where to next? Are you going to start church hopping? Where are you going to go? And so I had to sit there and think, okay, what am I going to do? Um, And so I had to wrestle with that question. And now when I think about it, my answer of why Vox, why am I still here a couple months later, is because I believe in what the church was built on and what it stands for. And so growing up, I would kind of label my family as fringe Christians. We love Jesus, love the Lord, and I've gone to church since I was yay high. But my family has never really fit into the typical Orange County Christian vibe. Both my parents work in mental health, and so their lives are devoted to interacting with and engaging with people of very different walks of life. And so that's been instilled in me since I was really, really young, to be a voice for the voiceless, to stand up for the underdog, to meet people exactly where they're at. And the idea of providing a space for others that's safe for them to belong has been something that I've been raised in And so the part of me that is currently and always has been a social worker has had a tough time fitting in in the Orange County Christian environment. I've loved previous church experiences. I went to Biola and that was an incredible experience, but sometimes it's tough to fit in. The part of me that thinks that women can be pastors and that the part of me that has gay friends and the part of me that thinks that Obama is rad kind of had to be sheltered and hidden, and I didn't feel safe to belong even within other Christian environments. And so it was hard for me to wrestle growing up with the idea that I read about a Jesus that broke bread with and ate with the unlovables of the society, and the part of me that was raised to do the same, to provide that safe space and to engage with people that didn't necessarily look like me or talk like me or behave like me, while so much of my Christian influence was saying, yes, love those people, but kind of keep them at an arm's length, keep them at a distance, engage with them, but not too much. And so that was tough. And so the part of me that's still here at Vox is the part of me that believes that I can bring my friends to this community because for once I finally feel like I'm safe to belong and I hope that this community can be a place that others feel that too. So that's
2: why I'm here. That's why Vox. Thank you, Jacqueline. I think uh, she echoed a lot of uh, what we've all felt um, in, in our transition uh, this last year, and um, I really appreciate her willing to come up here on stage and, and share it with us um, she meant that we mentioned the high value of uh, safe to discuss anything the other high value is that uh, we have a table every Sunday that's open to everyone whether you've been a follower of Jesus your whole life whether you're here because somebody made you come here um, and you have no desire to know Jesus whether things are going really well in your life, whether you're a big colossal mess, the table is open for you. It is the great equalizer where all of us are welcome, regardless of where we are. Um, And so in a a few minutes, um, Izzy will lead us in some more music. And um, we have four stations, two up front here and two on the sides, gluten-free is over there. Um, And you will take your bread and dunk it in the cup. And, um then take it at at your own pace. Um, We also have participation boxes um, if you would like to support us financially. Um, I have to say that um, we are so grateful for your continued financial support. And one of the uncertainties was this last year, are we gonna survive? And not only have we survived, we have been blown away by how generous you guys have been and we really appreciate that Um, and finally uh, last certainly not least we have prayer walls uh, over here where you can take a little piece of paper and write your prayer requests and put it in the wall just roll it up um, in a little scroll Um, we also have um, online uh, the ability to put in prayer requests at voxoc.com so please take advantage of that so please come the table is open for you Amen.
3: Would you all stand with me? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you peace. Amen. Thank you guys so much for coming today. You are loved. God bless you. We'll see you next week.
0: Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. You can join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voxcommunity. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com slash participate.